Tag Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Welcome to Extension Horses Tack Box Talk Series, Horse Stories with a Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Heine with Oklahoma State University, and today's stories are going to be about continuing to ride through college, but a different twist from those that we visited before. We're going to be talking about the Intercollegiate Dressage Association. So with me today is an alum of IDA, Sarah Mastaller from Ohio State University. Hello, great to be here. And a new guest to the program, we have Stephanie Watson, who teaches at Casanova College. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi there. So give us a little background. We're always jumping around with different state schools, but tell us a little bit about Casanova and how it relates to horses. So Casanova is a small four-year private college in central New York. So we were just actually referencing how it's often snows in Ovia right now. Um, we are, you know, in a four season area, we get some lovely weather and we're super close to Syracuse, which gives, you know, students a lot of opportunities for, you know, different career paths and, you know, things outside of their learning. But the beauty of being a very small school is that students here also have a lot of one-on-one time with their their faculty and staff and things. Uh, Our programs are anything from liberal arts to business to sciences to you know, a program that we're very well known for. And the reason I'm here is our equine business management program, which I know Sarah knows quite a bit about as well. I'm a double alum, IDA and Casanova. <laughs> well, that's why you're here. So, so we had a previous podcast uh, where we talked to alums of NCAA or the NCAA, um, the National Collegiate Equestrian Association, and then IHSA, which is the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, um, and talked about how those competitions work. But tell us a little bit about IDA or the Intercollegiate Dressage Association and how it differs um, with those other organizations. So I probably am most familiar with how the IHSA runs their horse shows by comparison to the Intercollegiate Dressage Association. Uh, For us, we have four divisions that we compete in as far as dressage test riding goes. We have introductory level, lower training level, upper training level, and first level. So ultimately, each school has a team of four riders that are test riding that day. They may have some individuals riding as well. Then most regions have also started the dressage sheet equitation program. So the second portion of our horse shows also have a dressage seat equitation class offered to all of those divisions as well. Um, That's given us an opportunity to really allow more riders to get the dressage experience in their college careers. The system point-wise is a little bit similar to IHSA. So the students that are riding for the team, especially in test riding, are competing for points that go towards both their individual point charts and points for the team for the end of the year and then the end of the year and the end of the day. And then obviously the teams with the most points overall win throughout the day and then, you know, compete for points throughout the year to the end of a season or the end of an academic year. So I have a a couple of questions just, just from there. So, um, 
in the test, you said there's four different levels of tests. And so our dressage enthusiasts might be more familiar with this, but what are maybe the differences or the maneuvers you might see between all these different um, levels? So your introductory riders are the riders who are really just starting to learn about the basics of dressage. Um, they're most comfortable walking and trotting with horses and may not be yet quite comfortable to compete at the canter in a, in a competition situation. Um, the lower training level is for your students who are really starting to develop um, their feel at the canter and starting to get more comfortable riding different types of horses at the walk, trot and canter. Your upper training level is for students who maybe have a little bit more experience. They maybe have um, several years of dressage behind them coming into college already. They may have competed in levels slightly higher than upper training level. Um, and then your first level riders are really starting to push the envelope a little bit on their skills and bringing out the best in the horses that they're riding. So they're starting to be much more comfortable at walk, trot and canter as well as start to develop and show things like the lengthening of stride at the trot and at the canter. Um, you're also dealing with starting to introduce the leg yields at the trot. So it does take a lot more skill for your first level riders than say your introductory level riders. Um, your training level riders are really showing, you know, good rhythm and relaxation of the horse, a good connection with the horses in, you know, figures like straight lines and diagonals and 20 meter circles, changes of direction, things like that. So this isn't like when a lot of people picture dressage with the top hat and tails and piaf and one tempi changes and all the fancy stuff. So that's not what we're talking about, right? No, no, we are not. Um, but we, we do throw in the catch of being a catch rider and the fact that you're, you have a very short window of opportunity to figure out the horse that you're about to go compete on. And that takes um, quite a bit of skill and quite a bit of, you know, sort of savviness, I'd like to say. So Sarah, you are an alum of riding with IBA. So what level uh, did you ride at and how did you get started? Yeah, so I came in at um, upper training level. And then um, as my time at Casanova progressed, I uh, went up to first level and ended my, my career at the, the first level and was also one of the team captains my senior year. Um, so for me, I had experience in pony club, um, but not so much in um, showing of like rated shows or, or like um, bigger shows like that. So uh, my experience kind of put me at the upper training level um, and then progressed to first. So tell us about the competitions then. Does everybody for IDA have their own horse or does it work like our other organizations where the school owns all the horses? It's very similar to the other organizations. Um, it's all the catch riding on college-owned horses. Sometimes we borrow from other colleges. Sometimes we, you know, bring horses with us places. But you are always competing on horses owned by other colleges. So is it the same experience then? Obviously, the riders that are riding their own horses have ridden them quite a bit. They should have a pretty market advantage in the actual competition, correct? Uh, you, you might think that, but that's not often the case, actually, when it comes down to it. It's one thing to learn how to ride the same horse every day. It's another thing to learn how to ride a horse you've never seen before in 10 minutes. <laughs> and then go out and compete it in front of an audience entirely by yourself with a judge sitting at sea. I would also say that some of my best tests have actually been on horses that I had never yeah. ridden before. Um, I think one of my favorite pictures that I actually put in my 
my uh, senior frame was on a horse that was at Delaware Valley. And so not one that I had ridden before. So do you still get an opportunity to warm them up? That's, you know, again, NCEA, just to keep everybody clear. They got like four minutes to warm the horse up. IHSA, they just watched the horses and jumped on. What do they do for IDA? For IDA, you actually have 10 minutes to work with the horse that you drew. And you have 10 minutes to work with that horse with your coach, which is huge. <laughs> Although I'm sure from like Sarah's perspective, it probably didn't feel like a very large time. <laughs> No, it definitely does feel pretty short. Um, and we do get to watch them in the parade and warm up that the, the homeschool does as well. So we take notes on on the horses they're they're doing their their movements so we can get an idea of what we wanna maybe try out, work on in our tent, how best to use that 10 minutes. So, so it's wait, it, there's a parade. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe parade's not the right word. Steph can update <laughs> update you on that. But no, it, um, it is still called a parade. It still is called a parade. Yeah, it's still called a parade. Though <laughs> this is the first time I've laughed about the use of that word. You know, it, it's a chance for the the host school to present to all of the competitors the horses that are in each group. So each group consists of a horse for each level, and there might be, depending upon the size of that show, three or four groups that day. So in the beginning of the day, the host school has to actually present all of the movements that the horses will be asked to do in the test. And that way, the riders who may ride them get to see how they are and how they react to a different type of riding and, you know, sort of start to make a plan with their coach of how they will warm that horse up for their test. So how many people will ride the same horse then in a day? Depending upon the size of the show, generally two to three. So it's not like everybody in the conference comes, it might just be a, a meet or a match or whatever the correct terminology is uh, between two teams or, or how many people show up? For our region, we're actually fortunate that we have a very large region. So we've had anywhere of you know six to eight teams in our region. So we do have quite a few riders. Um, and the way it sort of works out is if we have four groups of horses, that means we have four first level horses you know, so those horses will get ridden twice. That makes for eight rides. So each team would be able to bring one first level rider to represent their team. Gives us an, enough availability for rides for enough schools, but also keeps the workload down for the horses, which is always a huge concern. So Sarah, the I guess I think of dressage tests as being fairly lengthy endeavors. Are these um, the same dressage tests that are, I guess, the official ones? Are they shorter? How do you memorize all that and get ready to go? Yes. Yeah, so they are the, the USDF tests. Um, and I think you do kind of develop strategies for memorizing them. For me, I like to draw the test on my thigh. <laughs> which means you can practice it on the long band ride to the other other schools. Um, and that that really helps me to kind of to do it. But we also, you know, practice uh, the tests in, you know, our practice sessions as well. Although we, you know, be careful that the horse doesn't memorize the test because sometimes the, the second or third ride, you'll start to see the horse, uh, that the horse knows that what's going on and, and what the test is. So we try to limit some of that practice. Once you develop a strategy that works for you, I think, I think. So did you grow through yeah. a lot of britches writing on your thigh all the time? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's with my finger. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of cheating if it's all written out on your pants when you get right. <laughs> along with, you know, a left and right on their ears now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've got the, the 
test riding. So they're riding traditional tests, but you said they've added a, a new division that is uh, dressage equitation. So tell us a little bit about dressage equitation. So the dressage equitation is similar to what you'll see for dressage equitation as far as USDF goes. And it's much more similar to the intercollegiate uh, horse riding. So you may have anywhere from four to eight riders in the ring at one time, and they are generally within a large dressage arena. Um, they'll demonstrate either the walk and trot or the walk trot canter, depending on what their level is in both um, tracking both directions. So they do have to show in both directions. And then at the end of that, the judge, depending upon what their preference is, has the opportunity to pull the riders individually and ask them to do different um, movements that would relate to the level that they would compete in a dressage test. Uh, some judges choose to do that as a group and some judges choose to do that very individually to give sort of riders more one-on-one -on -one time in front of the judges. So um, I'm gonna confess I'm a Western person, so a bit of a dressage newbie here. So it sounds like it's kind of what I would call a hunt seat equitation class. So there's rail work and then they may or may not do a pattern. So you're talking about movement. So give us an example. You know, we talk about, you know, they're going to change a lead or change a diagonal through a figure eight. What kind of movements are in a dressage equitation class? So the judge may ask a rider to come off the rail and demonstrate a 20 meter circle at say, E and then come across the diagonal, pick up a canner at, you know, another letter, you know, it generally reflects portions of the test. So they're never going to ask for something that is above the level that the riders are actually competing in. So you're not going to ask an intro rider to do, you know, um, a leg yield or, you know, a walk canner transition or something crazy. Um, you know, so they're just generally snippets of what you would see in the actual test. So Sarah, you had said you had ridden Pony Club um, before you went to Casanova and joined the uh, IDA. So was that a pretty good ba background for you in preparing for this? Or, you know, were you always hankering to do dressage and here is your opportunity? To answer your question about Pony Club, I have had the best experience with Pony Club. I thought it was a, a great foundation just in horsemanship skills in general. Um, and then I was working my way up through uh, C3 and B uh, level ratings. Uh, there was dressage portions within uh, the Pony Club ratings as well, although they've, they've changed the scheme a little bit as to how the, the ratings are, are earned in the different tracks. Um, and you can actually get now do ratings in dressage or show jumping or um, traditional, which would be eventing. And Western too. They have Western now. So Pony Club is expanding. Pony Club is expanding. They also now have um, adult membership too, which is a new, yeah, Horse Masters, uh, which is, was relatively new. They've had it for a few years now. We're going to have to do a separate podcast just on Pony Club then. Yes, I am on their uh, council for instruction. Um, and then uh, Connie Jellick would probably be an excellent guest for you to do one on that. You might have to track her down. So Sarah, do you continue to drive dressage now or was that something you only did collegially? In order to focus on getting my career started, I sold my horse on my way to grad school um, and kind of had a, a bit of a, a gap from riding anything, you know, regularly. Um, but then, you know, I'm working on dressage with my horse that I picked up in South Dakota. He was cheap and we have fun. 
um, and we're getting ready to do our first. We're doing a going to do a try a virtual show, I guess, because um, I keep saying I'm going to take him to a schooling show, but now there's not really much to to take him to. So uh, we're we're getting ready to to um, take him. Take so did you pick yourself up a it. ranch pony from South Dakota, or did you find a dressage type? Um, so he was the closest thing to not a quarter horse that was, that was really near, closely available. Um, I mean, there are some warm blood breeders and stuff out in South Dakota too. So, um, there's a little bit more diversity out there, but he is half racing quarter horse, um, and half pony of some sort. And he is uh, roan with a flaxen mane and tail. I never thought I would own something so loudly colored. <laughs> <laughs> but the dressage foundation is is what we've been working on um he went through the south dakota state uh university's tr uh, breaking and training program and so then i got him pretty green and have been working on him uh off and on between you know doing everything else in my life so very fun so stephanie um as a coach at casanovia what kind of horses are you looking for for your program are you trying to find these little gems of pony racing quarter horse crosses coming out of South Dakota? Are you looking for a traditional thoroughbred warbler type of horse for your program? You know, we're looking for pretty much everything from, you know, on both sides of that scale. Some of our best little dressage horses have been, you know, your quarter horses. And honestly, my favorite intro horses are our whole string of reigning horses. They, they really, they're very, you know, they're very fine tuned. They're very wonderful to teach students on because they're, you know, very sensitive to the rider's aids. It keeps, you know, thinking about what's correct and not correct. Um, but we also have, you know, our, our priceless herd of warm bloods and thoroughbreds that have competition experience, have done the dressage, have done, you know, the equitation and some jumpers and stuff, which really for IDA is kind of your ideal type of horse. You know, they, the, the more background they have, the more versatility they have, the better they do seem to do overall. So if a, a young rider is looking to go to college, because we did talk about this um, with our other programs, uh, and they're interested in riding dressage, is there like a website that they look for schools? Now, as an academic, you know, I'm not going to recommend that students just right. pick schools on what's fun to do, uh, right. but what fits their whole career goals. But how does one uh, find a school or a program? Yeah, so definitely visiting the Intercollegiate Dressage Association website will give you a list of schools that do compete. Um, and to my knowledge right now, the IDA is the only collegiate organization for dressage, you know, solely. I know there is some eventing and stuff out there for people who do a little bit of both. Um, you know, but what I always tell students first is, you know, really look to what you want as your major. You know, horses are something that we can find no matter where we go. We somehow have that ability. Once you are a horse person, they, it's almost like they track you down. <laughs> so, you know, they really need to find out what their niche is career-wise and what they want to look for in a college academically, and then narrow it down to places that offer the equestrian experiences that they're looking for as well. Because yes, it is a part of it, but it shouldn't be the main goal. Tell us a little bit about uh, maybe your finals competition. So I know there are national competitions um, that people try to uh, qualify for, or um, I think with the NCAA, that's essentially they get out of their conference and then go to nationals. What does that look like for IDA? For IDA, it's very different than it is for IHSA. So IHSA works through regionals and zones and then finals. 
IDA actually only has their regional shows and then we go directly from that to nationals. So what happens is the top team from every region gets a place to ride as a team at IDA nationals. And that's generally, so right now there's nine regions. So there's a spot for each, you know, for each region. And that's for all four levels plus the dressage sheet equitation. There are room, there is room for 12 riders to actually compete. So they actually do a wild card program. So then what they do is they take the reserve champion teams from each region and the top three from that list also get a spot into IDA nationals. You're not really competing, you know, so every show you go to, you're competing towards nationals sort of initially which I feel is a little bit more pressure for the students and from the coaching as far as planning your season, because you're not just trying to first get to regionals and then try to get from regionals to zones and then from zones. But, you know, we have less steps required, I think, but, you know, you have to plan and organize a little bit differently to plan for the end of it. So each competition then is equally important. Absolutely. So to tag back on your, your previous question, I would also say that you should look at the equine education network for schools because that has a listing of equine programs and all their their teams and extracurriculars and there's a bunch of information on that if you're looking for an equine program um, there's a lot there that you can kind of filter by and and see what might be in your backyard so does IDA are they at the level that they offer scholarships or is that school dependent I know we talked about that with some of our other programs um, if that may help with the college experience my understanding at this point is that it's mostly at the school level, whether there's, you know, riding scholarships or academic scholarships related to riding. Um, I'm not familiar right now with anything that's directly through the IDA for scholarships, but knowing them, I'm sure they have something in the works. I will say a shout out to all of the IDA alums out there. Um, it was definitely a, a big networking opportunity, not only between schools, but within. I find that a lot of students don't really know others that are outside of their their year or their major. And being on the riding team really helped to break down those types of, of barriers. Yeah, and I'm sure, especially for you, Sarah, coming through our program and having the team experience be three disciplines within one big team. You know, we don't separate our disciplines out. So you may come in as a dressage rider, but by the time you graduate, your best friend is a hunt seat rider or a Western rider, or you came in dressage and you left riding all three disciplines. <laughs> that happens often. So Casanova hosts multiple uh, equestrian yes. teams then? Yes, we have three. Gotcha. Well, one big team that has three disciplines within its team. So in the, in the world of IDA then, who are the heavy hitters or the schools that everybody knows, hey, you guys are the ones to beat? Uh, let's see, Averitt, uh, Centenary, Casanova, Mount Holyoke, Johnson & Wales. There's, I mean, we're, we're a pretty tight group as far as even not just the region, but the whole nation. You know, when we end up at IDA Nationals every year, everybody knows, we all know all the coaches, this, we all know each other's captains. You know, even though we may be competing across the whole continent, you just sort of get to know everybody. We're so you know, the, the joy of being such a small organization still compared to like the IHSA, you know, you really get a chance to follow everybody. It's a little different every year. And sometimes you have, you know, some of your less surprising schools come out on top. And, you know, it's nice to see those rhythms change a little bit sometimes. 
So I'm going to have to ask because some of those colleges, I, I don't think I'm very familiar with, to be super honest. <laughs> so, yeah. so is IDA, um, do you see it relatively more at private schools or schools on the coast versus, you know, I'm just a, a state school alum. So uh, I would say the majority of the schools are East Coast, but it's a mix. I mean, Alfred University is a SUNY school. So you have Penn State, then you have, you know, Mount Holyoke and Casanova that are all private schools. There really is a mix and it doesn't seem to, because there's really no question of whether anytime soon IDA will become an NCAA um, sport. You know, it really leaves it open to any type of college or university. So Sarah, what were your best experiences with being part of the riding team at Casanova? Yeah, so I think it really helped me develop my my horsemanship in learning how to catch ride so many different types of, of horses. And sometimes even the horses at our own school. I believe I had I drew the same horse for my first home show as I did my last home show. Uh, and our first home show, uh, he did like a spook leap thing in the corner. Um, <laughs> and we didn't have a very good test. Uh, but our last home show, um, we, we placed second. So, and that was one of the, the best, I think that was the best test on him that day. Um, so the, his highest score that day. So I think that journey of, of self-improvement uh, is really important. Um, and then also the connection with your peers as at um, school, as well as across schools. I remember lo- our long van rides and we'd put, you know, paint all over the van, <laughs> decorate the, the, the van, the school van with washable paint and, and uh, just getting to know, you know, um, people on the team who are, you know, art majors, psychology majors, um, just way out of maybe who I would normally know. Uh, and we all had that connection of horses. So Stephanie, as a coach of um, a riding team and a dressage team, what, I mean, what do you get out of the entire experience or what's your favorite part about coaching? Uh, part of it definitely has to be the laughing harder than I've probably ever laughed. It's, you know, working with the students and seeing them progress through four years and sometimes seeing them learn dressage for the first time or you know, come in with a ton of confidence, but on horses that they know, and they now have a new experience of horses they don't know, you know, it tests their abilities, it sort of tests their knowledge of who they are, and you know, where they think they are in their riding. You know, there's, there's definitely, you know, days that are tougher than others, but there's always days, well, pretty much every time when we walk out of the ring, we are all laughing and smiling and have some funny picture to share. And, you know, it's, it's just a good, healthy environment, especially around a collegiate situation where, students are stressed and, you know, they all have expectations and deadlines and things, you know, it's for us, our dressage practices are always at night and it just always seems a great way to end the day. So absolutely. And I I think this is, you know, something key, two things, I guess, even talking to the coaches and alum of the, the other associations, the ability to ride different horses really does kind of tell on one's horsemanship. So it's one thing to have a relationship with a horse and to be able to ride that horse really well, but riders that can ride multiple horses that really speaks to their horsemanship ability. You know, and it's fun to see over the years, you know, I was an IDA rider myself when I was in college and it really hasn't changed. You know, the relationships among students haven't changed. The relationships from school to school really haven't changed. 
you know, it's, you know, those, those little bickerings between the fun bickerings between schools. I mean, they're still there even when it was 20 years ago, you know, even now being a coach, I'm still bickering with, you know, coaches that were coaching when I was riding as a student, you know, but in a fun sort of just, you know, I don't know, just a, a very entertaining way. Banter. Banter. It's, it's good, healthy banter. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Right. Cause I assume it's all good sportsmanship and really centered on everybody's shared love of the horse. Right. Absolutely. Well, I uh, really have enjoyed learning about another equestrian sport one can do um, through their collegiate uh, careers. Are there any other uh, things we haven't covered that our listeners should know about um, intercollegiate dressage association? You know, the one thing to just know about it is that IDA sets this experience up so that it's open to everybody. You know, if you've never ridden dressage before, that doesn't matter. The, the introductory level is a great place to start. And even if you have a hunter seat or, you know, a jumper background or a Western background, there's a place in IDA for everybody, even if it's starting out with the dressage seat equitation to get a feel for what it's like to be in the tack and to work on your position. You know, even the, the intercollegiate experiences in general, just take the opportunity to try everything that's offered to you because that's part of it. It's not just the saddle that we're interested in. It's also the horse. It doesn't really matter which saddle that horse is wearing. As long as it fits. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, any final thoughts from you? Yeah, I think we, we pretty much covered um, the highlights that I, I felt were, were very important. And I think that, that teamwork and sportsmanship and also geometry skills setting up the <laughs> arena um, are all all good things to take away from from a collegiate experience so I would encourage students to get involved in whichever horse organizations are offered on their campus because that's going to make their college experience uh, so much richer and set them up for success in the future. Yes, and certainly after coming off of finals week, again, a great way to relieve some of the, the stress and grind of being a college student. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today talking about um, IDA, and we're going to put links to the Intercollegiate Dressage Association in the show notes if you guys are interested, um, and also looking for our equine education network on how to find um, great schools that have that equestrian connection. So that has been our show for today. So thanks again for our Tech Box Talk or Stories with a Purpose. Bye. Bye.